Amen. You can have a seat. All three times when I heard those stories, there's just something stirring in me. And I haven't quite known how to express it. But I will say this, what was coming to my mind and my heart is I was just sitting there with you, listening and singing. So what we're doing here is worshiping Jesus. It is not about this church. And I love hearing the many names that have been mentioned this morning. And there's thousands more names that could be mentioned of God using men and women and young men and women and even children. But it's Christ doing the work. It's Jesus doing the work. And that was true 25 years ago. It was true 2,000 years ago. And by God's grace, it's going to continue to be true as long as we are proclaiming Jesus in this place. And so I want to invite you, you know, Lloyd and I both just want to spend a few minutes with you in the Gospel of John. This is where we've been as a body. It's where we're going to be again this morning. It won't be a long message. It'll be more brief than that. But open your Bibles to John chapter 14. We just want to highlight a couple of verses for you here. If you've been at fellowship for the last year, you know that we've been walking verse by verse through John's gospel. And last week we started in really one of the most magnificent passages in all the scripture, which is the upper room conversation, the last supper conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, the night that he's arrested. And it goes on for multiple chapters. I wanna skip ahead a a couple of weeks in our text. And and I wanna look at John 14, verse 11 and 12. And we'll just start with verse 11. Before I read it though, I want you to remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the small group of individuals who are gonna start the church. And they didn't know that yet. They didn't understand that yet. But this is the last time he had with this group of people We're going to start the church the last time before he was going to be crucified. And so just look on, it'll be on the screen, but let's look at John 14, verse 11 together. Jesus says, believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, remember, these men had been following Jesus around for three years. They'd been eating meals with him. They'd been watching him. They'd been living life with him. And after three years, he's saying, you need to know who I am. Believe me. Take my word for it, he says. I am God. He says, the Father's in me and I'm in the Father. Do you understand what he's saying? He's asking them to believe something that's virtually unbelievable. And then he says, but you don't have to just believe my words. You can also believe my works. Believe me on account of the works. Now, what were the works of Jesus? Well, obviously the miracles, but not just the miracles. His teaching, the way he lived, all of it. And y'all, the point of all the works of Jesus, miracles and all the other things that Jesus said and did, were not to show off his power, but they were so the Father would be transforming lives through these works. So Jesus is essentially saying, look, I've done all these works. There's a bigger story going on here. God himself is at work on the earth. And I am him, Jesus says. And then he goes on to say something, if you can believe it, even maybe more amazing. Look at verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. 
Take that in for a minute. Jesus is saying all these works he's been doing, others are going to do them, and even greater. How is it possible to do works greater than Jesus? Well, this is where we remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the individuals who are going to start the church. And specifically, Jesus is saying, whoever believes in me will do these works and will do greater works. Whoever believes in me. Y'all, he's talking about the church that you and I are still a part of 2,000 years later, all of us who believe in Jesus. He had us in mind when he said these words. Whoever believes in me, you're going to be doing my works. You see, this was Jesus' plan all along. He could only be in, in, in his earthly body at one place at one time. He could only interact with a few people at any given time. He was only on the earth for 30 some odd years. His plan all along was that we would become his body and we would do his works. And they're even greater in the sense that over 2,000 years, how many millions and even billions of lives have been transformed by Jesus through the church. That's what we're talking about this morning. And we're only just a tiny little part of a molecule of a drop in the bucket of this. But isn't it a privilege to be doing the works of Jesus? I can't get over that. And, and to think, think of doing greater Rob said, how, how does that happen? And he's, he's touched on it, but I want to point it, I want to draw the thread. And it starts in the last phrase, because I am going to the Father. And we know when we study through books of the Bible, it's all about context. And so if you just stop there, you'd kind of like, what in the world does that mean? Because I'm going to the Father. <clears throat> but what we find, and when we study this, we'll see, is he goes on to talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. He's absolutely explicit a little later, chapter 16, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, the helper being the Holy Spirit. And we as a community of faith, when, when, when these men and women stood here to say, here's what God, here's how God has changed me. This is what the Lord has done in my life, through my life. They're, they're speaking about what the Spirit in them has produced. Dependence upon the Spirit, core value for us, Spirit dependent. And we get to hear those stories. Y'all, again, I'm going to reiterate what Rob said. Not about us, about Jesus. Jesus went to the Father that the Spirit would be sent to all who believe to indwell them, regenerate them. And then as we depend on the Spirit, that's called Spirit-filled living. God changes us and changes others through us. I'm gonna give everyone an opportunity and just a few of you perhaps will do it and it's, that's fine, but I'm gonna give everyone an opportunity like those who told their story, to just say a statement. So this is not you getting up and telling a story, but we want for some of you to be able to say, this is what the Lord has done. Just as, and I'm gonna give you a statement and I'm gonna ask you to finish the statement with a sentence or a phrase. 
I'll ask you to raise your hand. We, we, you know, this is the third one, so we're trying to do it where we're not stepping on each other. So just raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. You can if you want, but then just say it out loud what the Lord has done. I'm gonna start so you get an idea. What he, what's he asking me to do? I'm asking you to raise your hand as the Spirit prompts you. And then finish this, finish this simple phrase. I'm gonna put it up on the screen so you can, you can see it. It's, and, and, and this, this will be mine. Do we have that? Well, I, I told not. him not to put it up because you oh, changed, changed it. it. But now we changed it back. So let's put it up on the screen. Okay, How about you know that? what? Last time I didn't, I didn't do it off the screen. I did change it. The Lord has blank. The Lord has blank. And so I'd raise my hand and I would say to you, the Lord has delivered me from myself and actually to myself and reminded me over and over He's in control. It's going to be okay. That's me. How about some of you? Just slip your hand up. I'll, I'll, I'll point at you. Just ask you to speak. The psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say it. It's interesting too. He said, let us exalt the Lord. And, they, he, and, and he says, in the assembly with the people, let's tell what God has done. And that's all we're doing. The Lord has blank. Just slip up your hand and I will, I will point at you and you can say it right here and then we'll go over here. The Lord has healed my little boy of leukemia. Amen. Yes. Amen. The Lord has done great things. Amen. And indeed, Amen. how much does that hold of all he's done? Someone else, the Lord has in your life. Yes. The Lord has rescued me from the darkness. Amen. The Lord has been close to the brokenhearted through this church. So good. The Lord has found me in the pit, lifted me from the pit, and showed me how to walk Amen. in peace and truth. Yeah, the Lord has always been faithful in my life. He's never been early, but he's always been on time. Amen. More steps of his love. Depths. The Lord has helped her discover more depths, depths of his love. The Lord has given us a home here. Say it one more time. The Lord has taken much from me and I'm better for it. Wow. The Lord has. I know. It kind of hits. <laughs> the Lord has taken much from me and I'm better for it. Indeed. And last one. The Lord has strengthened our marriage. Yeah. The Lord has strengthened our marriage. We have one over here. Yes, honey. 
can hear it. The Lord has blessed my family with new beginnings. With new beginnings. Amen. Thank Praise you, honey. God. Praise God. It's so good to hear those. And, you know, what I'm thinking about when y'all are talking is if we had the time, every one of us could say that. And, and I hope that's where your mind went. I hope your mind went to what the Lord has done. And I hope that you also can connect that, not just to the history of this church in 25 years, but to the history of the church. I hope your mind can go all the way back to 2,000 years ago and say, we, we're here because Jesus launched this movement by his spirit, and it's gone on and on and on for 2,000 years, literally all over the world, to Brentwood, Tennessee. So Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he told his followers, he said, here's what I want you to do. You know, here's your mission. Here's your commission. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He goes, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Do we, you see our church in that commission? I hope you do. And so this morning, we're going to have a chance not just to hear stories, but to see a symbol of transformation through baptism. So remember what baptism is. It's a picture of redemption. It's a, an illustration of someone who said, I am saved and I'm gonna show the world that I'm a follower of Jesus by going under the water, just like Jesus went in the grave and being raised up out of the water, just as Jesus was raised out of the tomb. Before we leave this morning, Lloyd and I wanna take a little bit of time to talk about the future, to talk about okay, we've reflected on God's faithfulness. Is there any doubt that God's going to continue to be faithful? There is absolutely none. So what might that look like for us? And so I want to talk about this in, in, in a couple of ways. The first way is an analogy. Imagine if we were, instead of a church, we, we were a ship. If we were a ship, maybe a fellowship. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. It wasn't any better the other two. Okay. <laughs> If we were a ship, I pray we would not be a steam-powered ship or a, you know, electric-powered or however ships are, are powered. I pray we'd be a wind-powered ship, that we'd be a sail-shailing ship. Because in the scripture, the word for wind is the same word for spirit. And so, you know how the church has been moving through 2,000 years? It's the spirit, like Lloyd talked about. It's the spirit that's been on the move. It's the wind that's been blowing. And so we need to put our sail up. We say, Spirit, you blow us, you move us, you tell us where you want to lead us. And our sails are ready and they are trimmed for you to continue to lead. And that's been the prayer of our elder team the last two or three years. In fact, two years ago, if you remember, we used this analogy and we talked about it. It just seems like the wind of the Spirit, the breath of the Spirit, the wind is, is moving. And he called us to something. And, and it was a series on generosity because we felt like what God had put before us is it's time to finish the mortgage on the property that, that we're in right now. And we've been in for 20 years. And we did that. And the spirit blew in such a way that it wasn't just retiring that debt. It was two or three times above that. And we gave all that away. Some of you guys were a part of that two years ago. What a beautiful gift of the spirit, of the wind that he yeah, gave us. Last year, about one year ago, we told you, it's like, you know, we, one of the things that we've had, honestly, as a gift from God that we haven't quite known what to do with is the corner property that we had on, on Franklin and Concord. And, and y'all, God's given us enough space here, enough property here that, that we'll have all that we need 
by his grace to do anything there he leads us to go. So we thought, what, what would God have us to do with that 20 or so acres on that corner? And, and we was never on the market. He brought something to us. And looking back on it, it was at the peak of, of the market. We sold that property. And we've been praying, God, would you provide a space for us, a land for our Franklin campus? We've been looking for eight or nine years. And just a month or two ago, we shared with you, we think that he has. And so we're in that process and it's so exciting. We'll be able to purchase that with cash because of what he's been able to do. And so when we put all this together, if you just look at where is God leading us? Well, in a lot of places, <laughs> he's leading us to continue to transform thousands of hearts through the people of fellowship. And here's what that means for our facilities. Facilities facilitate mission. And so we believe God's been telling us it's time to invest in our facilities at both campuses so that God can continue to transform hearts for the next 25 years, for the generation that's behind us. And so this is what we've been praying about. So I, it's kind of a, a drop in some news this morning. We, we want to tell you all that we believe now's the time, that this fall is the time for us to open our hands and say, God, we're, we're, we're going to offer up what we have because we believe that the Spirit has put us in a position graciously to be able to solve our two biggest problems, our two biggest facility problems with no debt. And one is a permanent home for our Franklin campus, and the second is a connection space here for our Brentwood campus. So we want to tell you more about that. Yeah, I'm excited too, okay? Hold your, hold your clapping though, because here's where, we, here's where we're going to share the details of all this. We're going to host a number of town hall meetings. We'll put those on the screen. Six in total, three that are geared toward Brentwood, three that are Franklin, but you can come to any of them. We want to ask you to come to one. Come to one. These dates will be sent out through email as well. But I hope you can come to one of these because this is where we're going to show you pictures and details and lay it all out so you can know. If you miss these meetings, you really will miss something significant. We'll talk about it in the mornings here, but for the most part, we really want you to encourage you to come to one of these meetings to hear what God is doing. And then during the month of September, we're going to be taking Sunday mornings into, we believe, a series on, on where God's leading us and where he's taking us and, and how we can be a part of that. And that series is going to kick off on September 10th, all together in one place at one time. Both congregations, Brentwood and Franklin, coming together at 10 a.m. on September 10th, Belmont campus at the Curb Event Center. We're all going to fit in there. Thousands of folks that call Fellowship Bible Church home, and that's how we're going to kick off that series. So I hope you'll come to one of those town hall meetings and for sure be there on September 10th because nobody will be here. <laughs> and you'll get more details as we go, but we couldn't be more excited. And here's what, guys, we dare not take a step without the wind blowing, without the spirit blowing. And that's how we're approaching this. And we want you to hear the details of that. That's what's coming up. I hope before you leave this morning, you'll pause and kind of glance at some of these pictures, perhaps find yourself or others that you know. But what you'll see is that we don't have pictures of, of buildings, but we would have none of those pictures if we didn't have some buildings. And we reiterate what Rob said, facilities facilitate our, our mission. This is our mission, but you understand, we actually have buildings that are air conditioned and it's blowing on me right now. I don't know if it's hitting you, but, but in all seriousness, you know, many of us have been here over the years, but you know, it was, over, it was about tw oh, just over 20 years ago that a smaller group of people made commitments to put this over our heads 
and to put the Learning Center where it is. And this is our chance that we get to do that. I could not be more excited. Rob and I have had some smaller meetings around these things. And man, it's just like deja vu hitting me of years ago when we were in a small group of people going, man, we're, we're sitting in a high school cafeteria. We got to go somewhere. And this is, gonna, this is what it's going to require to get there. And we're showing pictures of the same kind of things that we're going to be talking about uh, in this series and even uh, on September. It is the chance whether you've been here one month or one year or all the last 25, to relaunch. Like, like we get to be a part, like if you're looking up here at that, those people that started Fellowship Bible Church, we get to start something now that 25 years from now, truly people will look back and go, oh, you were there back, you, you helped put that in place. Put what in place? Some facilities that enable us to live out our mission I love the phrase, Cindy, you said it several times, changed our trajectory. <laughs> That's what the gospel does. And it changes us first and it changes other people through us. Uh, if there's a, a, a verse that I hope you, or, or a phrase I hope you walk out of here with today, Rob and I, the team, even as we thought about this day, it would be walking out going, God is faithful. That's it. God is faithful. Moses speaking to the children of Israel at, at their second chance to go into the land. <laughs> he recounts God's faithfulness, but he makes this statement. And I just, I, I, I want to read it because I love this, the way he says it. Know therefore, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God. The faithful God. Indeed he is. Let's stand together for our benediction and sending. Lloyd and I are going to send you out with words adapted from Psalm 145 and Ephesians 3. And I hope that you'll receive these words as God's blessing on you as you go and on us collectively as we go. We tell of your greatness, our God and King. We praise your name forever and ever. Your work in and through us pours forth your fame. We have seen that you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Resting in your faithfulness. May we go from this place speaking of the glory of your kingdom and telling of your power. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. You always keep your promises. You are gracious in all you do. You who are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask and think according to the power at work within us to you be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen and God bless